This is a dice of Brussels. What is Brexit? This might seem a, an odd question to ask, given that we're now uh, over a year past the referendum, that I've done a hundred, no, two hundred and uh, ten or so episodes of this podcast, uh, and never actually asked the question before. It's something that, that comes from uh, some meetings that I've been at, some academic discussions, and uh, the question was raised, well, what is it an instance of? You know, what, what's it like? Because one of the difficulties, I think, many people, politicians, journalists, the public, academics, face is that we're not entirely sure what we're referencing this against. What's our benchmark for this process? Now, I you might say, well, it's about leaving the European Union. Well, yes, that's the specific instance, but what is that like? So let's just try and scope a couple of the uh, options and the alternatives. Most obviously, and in purely legal terms, the UK's decision is to leave a treaty-based organisation, to leave an international organisation. Now, uh, that's something which is pretty rare in uh, the world these days. Um, out of the many thousands of international agreements, there are maybe a couple of hundred of instances of member states withdrawing themselves from international organisations. Um, so we might think, for example, about uh, the way that some countries have uh, taken themselves out of the Commonwealth, uh, such as Gambia in uh, 2013, uh, or because of protests about the, the organisation, so Canada took itself out of the World Tourism Organisation, uh, also in 2013, because uh, Robert Mugabe, uh, the president of Zimbabwe, had been appointed its leader. But that is still a very rare instance uh, for my... Uh, research on this I've been to the library and I've actually taken out a law book again um, to, to have a look at this and you see very few examples of uh, actual activation of termination clauses or a withdrawal from uh, the systems that have been set up. There may be provision for it in those treaties but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily used. Now uh, as a degree of uncertainty around this, and just to take one example, uh, North Korea, uh, back in 1997, uh, said it was going to take itself out of the International Convention on Civil and Political Rights, uh, and was told that it couldn't do that unless all the other member states of that convention agreed. And as far as we can tell, uh, North Korea appears to have accepted that as a decision. So even a state that is... Uh, Intense on leaving is not necessarily sure about what it's doing. But is Brexit really comparable to any of these kinds of instances? All of the examples that I've mentioned and all the other ones that we see are very limited uh, bodies. That They are international organisations that have a very narrow remit. They cover one area of activity. Uh, they don't uh, intrude into the organisation of the state in anything like the degree to which the European Union has done over the period of British membership. So the 
practice of withdrawing has been done in very limited uh, situations. It's been done uh, often uh, for a limited period of time because of specific instances and that the cost and the process of uh, actually trying to do that is relatively simple. Now Brexit doesn't really feel like it sits comfortably with that particular uh, kind of model. So perhaps it's it's like something else. And the obvious example is that maybe it's like leaving a country. Maybe it's about like secession. That a bit of a country decides that it's going to go its own way and set up a shop uh, uh, as an independent state. Now, uh, that's certainly part of how the rhetoric in the referendum debate has gone, that the EU was like a state and it was making the e UK do uh, things that it didn't want to do uh, and that this is a return to independence. And I think there is perhaps the, the question mark over this, that uh, this is a uh, return to a status quo anti that this is like the UK didn't join in 1973 and that the previous uh, 44 years uh, or it will be uh, 47 years never happened. Now uh, I think that is different from most uh, secessions that we see that uh, typically in the founding of a state there has not been a clear prior arrangements um, and that regions that are brought into states uh, develop identity uh, and push for independence uh, in a form that wasn't necessarily there before. So we might think about that for example with uh, Quebec and its efforts. We might think about Catalonia as an example too. Um, but also, if we think about European borders, the chopping and changing of boundaries over time has been uh, very extensive. Now here, I think we, we have the, the opposite problem to the uh, international organisation example, namely that the EU, whilst it is very extensive, is not a state. That you haven't got the uh, creation of a single constitutional basis for the organisation, that provides a, a single framework for everybody who's involved. You haven't got a monopoly of the force, you haven't got an integrated federal tax system, you haven't got a federal uh, parliament, as it would be commonly understood. That at most this is a confederation and a weak one at that. So to draw parallels between the situation of Catalonia in Spain and the UK and the EU is, I think, overly reductive as much as the uh, one uh, that equates this to a, a treaty uh, withdrawal uh, kind of scenario. So if it's not at either end of that kind of spectrum of international organisation treaty, and this was actually uh, one of the very first episodes that I did back in 2015 was talking about what is the EU, then maybe it's something else. Maybe it's like a state breaking up, but not really again, because once again, uh, the system is not like a state. It's not that the rest of the uh, bigger unit is uh, falling apart in the case of the EU. It's that one part of it is going away.
Now, this confusion, I think, really highlights uh, one of the difficulties, both about understanding the EU and about understanding what Brexit is and what it might involve. That the lack of reference points that are there is problematic for all sides. And it's also problematic because it doesn't uh, mark out what the boundaries of the future might look like. Now, what do I mean by all that? Well, as I've discussed on this podcast before, one of the key British problems has been that they don't really know what they want to achieve. They don't know what the big plan is, the big idea that holds together all the little bits of uh, decisions that have to be made uh, between the different parties. And the disagreements between the UK and the EU about the sequencing of negotiations, about the structure of those negotiations, about who's in the room, what they talk about, when they talk about them, who decides, all of those things really reflect this uh, profound uh, lack of uh, knowledge of what they might do. And if you'd like, the whole of Article 50 has been an educated guess. Article 50 itself was put in, uh, as we will remember, in the Lisbon Treaty as uh, a means of uh, reassuring member states and publics in those member states that this wasn't a one-way ticket, that you could leave if you wanted to. Now, the conversation essentially ran along the lines of, well, if someone wants to leave, they've got to be able to leave, but we recognise this is quite an involved proposition Uh, because of the the extent of the entanglement that takes place between national and European. So, sensibly, we might put a period of time in where we can try and sort those things out. But the implicit assumption uh, in Article 50 is that a state that is leaving has done this uh, after much reflection, because it's a big decision. And as such, would have a clear idea, relatively speaking, about what it wants to get Uh, from the new relationship that it would carve with the EU. Now, in the case of the UK, uh, that didn't really happen, that the UK found itself, uh, or the UK government found itself, handed a decision by the population that it hadn't really anticipated for and certainly hadn't planned for, and as such uh, had to kind of uh, make it up as it's gone along. Now... uh, that's understandable, uh, and uh, I think it's something which uh, is or would always have been part of the, the situation. But it also speaks to the, the underlying uncertainty that comes from the European side as well, that the Commission has taken an educated guess about the way to do this. Logically, you've got to tie off the old relationship, then you can talk about the new relationship, Uh, and then you can put the new relationship into effect. That would seem to be the sensible way to do it. Now, uh, that is certainly a sensible way of doing it. Whether it's the only sensible way of doing it is a different matter, that you could actually put those elements together in a very different way. You could say, let's agree a new relationship whilst we're in the old relationship, and then as soon as we've got the new relationship in place, then we stop the old relationship and tie off any issues that are outstanding at that point. Now, uh, that's not the way the uh, provisions of Article 50 are framed. Uh, It's not the way that anyone has seriously advocated uh, doing 
the process. But it highlights the, the uncertainty uh, about what this beast might be of Brexit, that it, it's not one thing or another, and as such, people are kind of working through from first principles. And uh, that's reflected also in the negotiations, that the format of the negotiations is one that the EU doesn't normally follow, uh, bringing member states in alongside the Commission, which is something that doesn't happen uh, in uh, third-party negotiations. Uh, it's something that is there in the kind of uh, amortising of the process into smaller, more manageable um, elements that can then be uh, politically and uh, administratively digested by the system. Again, as so often with these episodes, I would normally end up by, uh, I should be ending up here by telling you what the Brexit actually is like. But I don't have an answer, and I don't think anyone really does, that this will be an instance that will sit for a very long time as the definitive example of what exiting uh, an international organisation of this kind looks like and how it works. It will become the reference point. It will become the exemplar. Now, that is of scant interest and consolation to the UK or to the EU because they still have to deal with this situation. But it's something that I think will be one of the long-term enduring consequences of this process that goes far beyond either party in the negotiations. If you have ideas or suggestions, I'm really glad to hear them. It's something that I think I'll be coming back to as we go a bit further along because maybe it will become clear. But until then, thank you for listening and I'll talk to you again soon.